Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We are glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Genesis chapter 12, if you start reading from verse number 1, the Bible tells us the story of a man, very interesting inter-individual. The man is called Abraham. The Bible tells us in verse number 1, Now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you without GPS. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, in this particular chapter, Genesis chapter 12, and going forward, there are some specific promises that God made unto Abraham in this particular chapter. And we'll just go over three of them. The first promise that he made to them was the promise of a nation. Look at verse number one. He said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. The second promise he made was a promise of a seed. If you look at Genesis chapter 12, reading from verse number 7, say, Then the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So the promise of a nation, the promise of a seed, and then the Bible also tells us in verse number 3, He said, I will bless those who bless you, I will curse them who those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So you see the number 3 blessing, which is the blessing of being a blessing. Okay? The blessing of being a blessing. There was this joke that was told about a particular boy that had this, uh, that had only one wish. And the genie came after robbing the bodies in the land beyond, beyond, and you robbed the body, robbed the uh, bottle of the, 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 the lamb. And as he was robbing the land, the genie showed up. He said, I give you one wish. And the boy looked and looked and looked and looked. He said, okay, one wish, one wish. What do I ask for? He said, well, I asked for a thousand wishes. That was his wish. In other words, he took one wish and multiplied it a thousand ways. What I'm saying is that the Lord God Almighty made Abraham a blessing. In other words, if you encounter Abraham, you have already encountered blessing. The Lord made him such so blessed that if you see Abraham, you are a blessed man. If you touch Abraham, you are a blessed man. If you associate with Abraham, you are a blessed man. And that was what we saw in our Bible story time this morning. The Bible says that just by virtue of Lot being with Abraham, Lot became very rich. And as soon as Lot departed from Abraham, Lot lost all the blessings that he received. So Abraham became a blessing. The Lord gave him those three blessings. The blessing of a nation, the blessing of a seed, and the blessing of being a blessing. Now many of us know the story of Abraham. There's no need to go over it over and over again. We know how he wandered the promised land. You know how he had a son through his, his, through his servant Agar because his wife was, uh, his wife was barren. You know how he waited for the promise of the, for the promise of God. And we are going, you know, Many Bible scholars say that he waited for almost 25 years before Isaac was born. And it even took longer, almost over 400 years, before the nation of Israel was called a nation and were led out of Egypt. And the thing is this, the question that comes to mind is that what was Abraham doing between that period when he got the promise and when he saw the fulfillment of that promise? What was Abraham doing between the time the Lord said, I will give you a son, and the day he actually carried Isaac? What was he doing? Okay. What was he doing when he was waiting for the promise of the Almighty God? The book of Genesis chapter 37. 
Genesis 37. The Bible tells us the story of another young man. His name was Joseph. The Bible tells us that this young man had a very colorful destiny. Early in his life, the Lord gave him a future, gave him a revelation of his future. If you read verse 8, verse 8 of Genesis 37, the Bible says, Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him the more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There were, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheep arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood around, uh, around and bowed down to the sheep. That dream didn't need any interpretation from the brothers. They knew that this guy, the Lord's hand is upon him to make him a leader. That this guy, the Lord has, the Lord is going to elevate him to the position of authority. They knew that. And the interesting thing about this vision was that the Lord did not just give it to him once. He repeated that vision to him twice. And in verse number 9, the same vision, Joseph repeat, Joseph had a similar vision, but this time around, it included the moon and the star, and he told it to his parents. And when the father heard, the father understood that God had a bright future for his son. We all know the story. The Bible tells us that his brother conspired to kill him. They sold him into slavery in Egypt. In Egypt, the whole world fell apart. The guy just had uh, untold hardship, moving from prison to prison, and people just you know, messing him up, messing him up. But it took almost 17 years. Before Joseph dreamed, saw the light of day. And it took, you know, it took a longer time for his brothers to be able to come and bow down before him in, you know, in fulfillment of the revelation that God gave him in Genesis 37. And again, the question comes, what was Joseph doing between the time he got the promise and the time the promise was fulfilled? The Lord told him he was going to be, the, he was going to be a leader. What, what the, the, the gap between that vision and the revelation, the revelation and the fulfillment, what was going on between that particular period? What was Joseph doing when he was waiting for that promise? Now we can go on and on and on. You can talk about David. You can talk about all the other people in the scripture. Bible even makes us to understand that he took over, it took several millennia from the promise of the seed, which was given in Genesis 1. He went all the way to the New Testament before the, before the Messiah showed up. So you can see all the Bible character. You will see the same pattern. Okay? There is always a gap between what God promises you and the fulfillment of that promise. If anybody tells you that you give a promise, that God gives you a promise today and you get it tomorrow, that person is probably not giving you the entire truth. Okay? And if they tell you that, yes, I got a promise to that, they did not tell you the entire story. There is always a gap in between the time that you receive the promise of God and the time that that promise is fulfilled. And the question is, what do the Bible characters do during that waiting period? How do, how do they spend their time waiting during that waiting period? How do they manage the time between the promise and the fulfillment of that promise? How do they spend the time? This appears to be a very simple question. For Noah, the guy was building, you know, the guy was building an ark. That's what you would say. But it is more than that. It's a very profound and important question. And the reason this question is very important is number one. Every promise of God, there is a waiting period. For every promise of God, there is a waiting period. Number two, it is important because you must manage your waiting period <laughs> How you manage your waiting period is the difference between the fulfillment of that promise and you know between the fulfillment of the promise and the and the and the illusion of that particular promise. What I mean by that is this: how you manage the time between the time you hear the voice of God telling you this is what I'm going to do and the fulfillment of that promise. That gap in between, what you do in that particular gap, will determine whether you are going to see the promise or you are just going to be dreaming about the promise. It will determine those two things. 
how you are going to be able to enjoy or realize the promise of God is a function of what you do between that period when that promise is waiting. America holds a very beautiful pro- promise to all its citizens. It's a land of opportunity. A land where a lot of funky things can happen, but it is not automatic. It requires you. There is the promise of a, there is the promise of the American experiment and the fulfillment of that particular American experiment. And the question is, a lot of people are caught in between. They don't even, they can't even see the realization. And the question is, why is that? The reason is because what you do between the promise and the fulfillment matters a lot. It took some time before the flood came. It took some time before Abraham saw his child. It took some time before the, before Joseph became the leader of the free world at that time. Even David had to wait before, you know, between the time he was first anointed before he ascended the throne of uh, the throne of Israel. Israel had to wait for centuries, even for a millennium, before they saw the coming of the Messiah. There is always going to be a gap between the giving of God's promise and the fulfillment of such promise. And it is very important that you understand what you understand this. If you are going to see and enjoy the promise of God, you must understand that, that there is a gap. There has to, you must understand it. So why am I telling you all this? Okay? I'm telling you all this, number one. Because how you manage that particular promise determines the fulfillment of that promise. The management of that time, what you do in that time, determines whether you are going to get a fulfillment. If you take a promise of God and just waste it away, that promise will be there. But you will not see the results. If you take the word of God for granted, this is what God is in the soil is going to do for me, and you do not act, and you do not prepare yourself, and you do not engage yourself, and you do not do anything to be able to enhance the word of God to see the fulfillment of God in your life, you will find out that you will receive the promise, but nothing will happen to that promise. Number two, I'm telling you this because what you do. During the gap, what you do during the waiting period determines if you are going to enjoy that promise of God. It's not just the promise being fulfilled in your life. Are you going to be able to enjoy it? What you do within that period. Bible makes us to understand that when God told Abraham, he said, Abraham, you are going to have a son. Abraham could not wait. Within the waiting period, he started listening to the voice of his wife. And his wife said, going on to Hagar, anybody who is born in this house is yours also. And the Lord God Almighty makes us understand that as soon as Hagar was born, trouble started. The enjoyment of the promise of God is a function of what you do when you are waiting for that promise. If you don't know how to wait properly, if you put in the wrong thing into that, into that waiting period, it is going to be a pain in every part of your body by the time the promise has to start, start, start getting fulfilled. Number three, why am I telling you? I'm telling you this because how you invest that waiting period, what you put into that waiting period will determine how well you are going to enjoy the fulfillment of that particular promise. Investment determines the level of fulfillment. Your investment in that time, if you invest yourself in the study, if you invest yourself in prayer, if you invest yourself in the ministry, if you invest yourself in the things of God, by the time the Lord God Almighty begins to answer and fulfill that promise, you will see that you will be able to better enjoy it. But if you do not take the time to invest, if you do not take the time to pray, if you do not take the time to study, you will find out that the day will come when God will hear and answer that prayer, but you will not have the foundation. To carry the things that he's going to give to you. And that is why people crash in. That's why that's why businesses sometimes do not last. That's why people are no longer able to sustain the glory of God upon their life. The reason is because in the time of that preparation. In the time when they were supposed to be investing in that particular foundation. 
they were busy doing other things. And that's why the Bible tells us in the book of Luke, it said that John the Baptist was in the wilderness until the day of his showing. Which means he was in that particular wilderness doing what? Preparing for that singular moment. When the Lord God Almighty will show him to Israel. And he only had one job to do. Only one job. That's what, that's what John the Baptist had. And that one job was to be able to identify the Son of God. And as the day he came in, the Bible said as Jesus Christ came into Jerusalem, his John, John the Baptist saw him. And John the Baptist said, this is the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. That was the fulfillment of his ministry. That was it. If John the Baptist missed that opportunity, all his preparation would have been a waste. And the only way he could have recognized the Lord Jesus Christ was because of his sensitivity to the Spirit of the Almighty God. He was able to hear clearly the voice of God, identifying that this is all your life. This is what all your preparation is all about. Identifying this guy that is coming. So the point I'm making is that the level of investment that you put in that time of waiting will determine the level of fulfillment you are going to enjoy. You see, many of us who are in this room today, Many of the families that are here today, we have received one kind of promise or the other for our future. Okay, Many of us have received a promise of what our tomorrow will look like. Many of the families sitting here have a vision of what our tomorrow, what this year, what the next year, what the next five years, what the next ten years will look like. We have a vision for our children. Even for, as a church, when we started, we said three years from now, when from the day we started, by that time we will do what? We will probably have a mega church at that time. We will be so big that we will be on TBN. We will be having no interview on the CNN. And we will be flying around with our private jet, right? It's written, lifelong anointing on the part of it. And probably have, have about three security standing in front of me. You know what I'm saying. That was our dream. You wanted that, you know. So that when you kiss, I'll probably be called Lord Bishop. You know, wearing a nice castle with my nice giant cross in front of me. You know, and people will kiss me and say, yeah, God bless you. I'll use my, I'll use my, I'll use my professional voice. You know, but you know, you get the gist. You get the gist. Every one of us have a dream. Yeah. Every one of us have a dream. Every one of us, the Lord Almighty has spoken something to your heart. He has deposited a dream, a vision in your heart that when you sleep, this is the way you see yourself 10 years. This is the way you see yourself in the future. This is the way you see your children, your relationship, your marriage, your job. Whatever it is, that's the way you see yourself. There was a time when I dreamt that I was going to retire at the age of 35. I still have hope. I'm about 32 now. So that means things are still working, things are still working for me. But you understand the idea. Every one of us have a dream. We have a dream. Yeah. We all have an idea of what tomorrow we hold. But if you were to ask you today, if we are going to be honest, if I were to ask you, ask myself, ask each family here, ask the church here, is there a difference between this tomorrow that is in your dream and the reality you are experiencing today? Is there a gap? Of course there is a gap. Of course there is a gap. Just today, look exactly the way your future, you know, that they look like the future that you have desired and the future that you have been praying for. The today that you have right now, what you are experiencing right now, in your life, in your family, in your career, in your job, in everything, does it look like what you saw in your dream? Does it look like it? Okay? For many of us, the reality that we are facing today does not reflect the dream that we are dreaming about. I remember those days when we were still in high school. Some of the girls, when you told them how you're going to be in the next day, they said, ah, we married to a tall, handsome man. Yeah, I thought, hey, I have potential because I'm tall and I think I'm handsome. You know, but the idea was that there was a lot of dreams at that point in time. Many of them thought that, yes, we are going to be sexual. Many of them thought that we're not going to walk because we are so good, money will just be falling out. That everything will be fine. There are many of us who our current realities does not reflect the future that we desire and we hope for. Now for some, our current realities is a complete opposite 
of what we prayed for, of what we dreamed for. And the question is why? Why is there a gap between the vision that you see and the reality that you experience? Why is there, why is there a gap? There's a number of reasons that can be given, but before we talk about the reason, you must first understand what I mean by the gap, what I mean by a waiting period. When I say a waiting period, what am I talking about? When I say the gap between the promise and the fulfillment, what am I talking about? What am I I'm talking about? The fact, no, the first thing I'm talking about, I'm talking about the fact that when you receive the promise and we are waiting for that particular promise, when the heavens become silent, that's what I'm talking about. When you pray and you don't hear anything anymore. The Lord has given you a revelation. He has spoken to you, has told you what he wants to do with you. And then you receive that promise and you start running. And all of a sudden the whole heaven becomes silent. That's what I'm talking about. What do you do during that time when the heaven is silent? When you pray and it appears as if God is no longer listening, what do you do? When I talk about the period of waiting, I'm talking about the period when it appears that the host of hell have been unleashed against you. I don't know what it happened to you before, but you will notice that when the person becomes a Christian, your life that has always been nice and beautiful, all of a sudden everything turns upside down. That is when you don't know how to do anything anymore. That is when the host of hell is turned against you. When you receive the vision of God for your life, when God begins to tell you this is the direction I want you to go, and you take that first step, you start that particular business, you change that particular job, you involve yourself in that relationship, or whatever you do, and then you find out that the host of hell is released against you. What do you do in that period? That is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the waiting period. When I'm talking about the waiting period, I'm talking about when everything you believe in now, you begin to question everything you believe in. Did I really hear God? Did God instruct me? Is that the direction he wanted me to go? Did I actually pray? God, did you actually speak to me? Do I actually believe that God speaks today? When you begin, when your heart becomes so confused, when you begin to question everything that your faith stands upon, when you begin to doubt that even you are hearing the voice of God, when you begin all those things, that is what I'm referring to about the waiting period. At that point in time, what do you do? Because I'm sure the man called Noah must have wondered. The Lord said you should build an ark. Can you imagine? They are living in a desert. You are asking the man to build an ark. There is no river. There is no ocean. The rain is not falling. And you ask him to build an ark. Do you know how ridiculous that looks like? Right. People might be saying, uh, <laughs> and like we used to say in Nigeria, you see your, you see your neighbor, see what he's doing? He's building an ark. This guy probably is missing his meds, you know? <laughs> probably missed the visitation of the, of the, of the nurses, you know? He probably should have gone to Clover Bottom, you know? Where they should give some injection. <laughs> that was what people would be saying about Noah. And the Bible makes us understand if within that period, when the promise of God appears to be an illusion, what you, when you begin to question your faith, what do you do? What do you do? That's what I'm talking about. When I talk about the gap, I'm talking about when you feel abandoned by everybody. When you feel abandoned even by God. The Bible says when Jesus was hanging upon the throne, said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can you imagine at that point in time, he had received the name that is there that's above every other name. The Bible said the name of Jesus, every name will bow. But at that point in time, he wasn't feeling anything. Yeah. And the Bible tells us that at that point in time, when you feel abandoned by your loved ones, by your family, by your friends, even by God, what do you do? That is the waiting period that I'm talking about. Yeah. Joseph was sitting down in that particular cell. Joseph must have wondered, God, I didn't ask for this. You told me you are going to make me the head. 
You told me that the, my brothers will bow down before me, that my mothers will bow down before me. You told me, or you gave me a vision of a very rosy future. This does not look like my brothers are bowing down for me in this prison. It doesn't look like life is going the way I want it to go, the way the waiting are. The thing is that when there is that waiting period, what do you do? When I say, when I'm talking about this waiting period, I'm talking about when nothing makes sense. You have done all the vigils. You have done all the prayers. You have asked Mr. Lee to move about 3,000 uh, copies of flyers to distribute at the post office. You have posted a lot of Facebook posting. You have done a lot of uh, radio broadcasts. You have even done a, a, a podcast. You have told all the people that you know. And when you come to church in the evening, nobody shows up. What do you do? When nothing seems to be making sense. When the promise of God appears to be an illusion. What do you do? That is what we are talking about here. That is what we are talking about here. So when I say there is a gap between the time of the receiving of the promise and the fulfillment of the promise, that is what we are talking about. And the question at such time is, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do when the heaven is silent? What do you do when the host of hell is released against you? What do you do when you feel abandoned? What do you do when nothing makes sense anymore? What do you do when you are waiting for the fulfillment of the promise of God? Now, my brothers and sisters, before you do anything, before you attempt to do anything, you must understand that the fulfillment of the promise of God takes time. Because if you miss that point, you are going to be, number one, a very, very frustrated person. So you must understand, number one, that the promise of God takes time. Number two, that the promise of God takes preparation. Number three, that the promise of God takes qualification. God will not release his treasures of heaven unto somebody who is not qualified to handle it. He will not release the treasures of heaven unto a person who does not even deserve to be able to carry it. So you must understand, number one, that the promise of God takes time. That the promise of God takes preparation. That the promise of God takes qualification. That the promise of God takes commitment. The Lord wants to know, are you committed to this thing as much as I am committed to it? I want to give you what I want to give to you. But the thing is that, are you committed? Do you make, are you, are you sold out to this particular idea that you want to receive what God has in stock for you? You must also understand that the promise of God takes maturity. Yeah. The Lord will not give, the Bible said that you do not cast your swan, cast your pearls before swines. He said the Bible makes us understand that when Jesus Christ, he said when he was a son, the book of Hebrews, he said even when he was a son, though he was the heir, he was treated as what? Just one of those people who are servants in the house. In other words, nobody will commit anything meaningful into the hands of a child. Nobody will commit anything meaningful into the hands of somebody who is not matured. As a believer, you are asking God for a blessing. You are asking God for a mature, you are asking God for preparation, for, 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 for a release of His glory upon your life. But if you refuse to grow up, if you refuse to get matured, the blessings of God will continue to be there, but you might not be able to taste of it. Yeah. You must also understand that the blessings of God takes a disciplined effort. It takes a disciplined effort. We used to say in my own neck of the wood that a lazy man cannot be a Christian. It takes a lot of work to pray. It takes a lot of work to read the Bible. It takes a lot of work to minister the word of God. And if you are going to see, if you are going to, if you are going to enjoy the blessings of God, you must understand that the blessings of God, the promises of God, for it to be fulfilled, it takes a determined effort. And not only that, it takes sacrifice. You gotta give up something to get something. Okay? You have to give up something to get something. God's promises require sacrifice. The unfortunate thing is that we live in a very instant culture. 
where everything must happen at the speed of thoughts. I think about it, I want it now. Unfortunately, many in the church do not even understand what it means to wait. They don't even know. You are praying to God and you are saying, God, you have to bless me. Yes, now you have to bless me. Before 12 o'clock, you have to bless me. And you are giving time limit to the Almighty God. Many do not even know what it means to wait for the Lord. Many no longer are interested in waiting for anything. And we expect God to respond instantaneously to our request. We expect God to answer that prayer immediately. Even before we say it, we expect God to do it. And if you don't see the instant result, it's as if God, everything has come to an end. Okay? And because many in the church do not even know how to wait. Many in the church are not even interested in waiting. They don't want to wait. Many do not even understand how to manage that waiting period. If you don't know how to wait, you are not interested in waiting. How can you manage the waiting period? You won't be able to. You won't be able to. As a result, many in the church have now become what? Discouraged. Because the promise of God that they have been told is not being fulfilled. We are now discouraged because people become discouraged when they do not see the promise of God fulfilled instantaneously. We are not only discouraged, we begin to lose our focus. And that is why you see people, they are in church today, when they hear, they get all motivated, the preacher gives a lot of good words, they get all hyped up. Next week they will be there. The following week they will be there. After they don't see the weird, they don't see the results in two weeks, they stop coming to church. We lose focus because we don't understand what it means to wait for the promise of the Almighty God. Not only that, they begin to lose their commitment. They begin to give excuses. The things that have been in their life before that we know that, that they were not, that was not an issue, all of a sudden becomes an issue because they are no longer seeing, they are not seeing the result that they want to see, you know, as fast as they want to see. And not only that, they begin to follow a lesser God. That's when you begin to believe all these crappy stories. That's when you begin to believe the things that are less than God. Just because we cannot wait for the promise of God. And it's not only concerning God, it's also in relationship. A woman who cannot wait for the man or the man that cannot wait for the woman before he knows how you begin to go after people who look like flash. They all look so good. They all look so nice. They dress nice. They do all those things. But by the time they eventually say, yes, I do, that's when you see the real demon or the real devil that you have said, yes, I do too. Because we cannot wait. We follow lesser gods. And not only that, we give up on God. Because when you don't see the results, what happened? You say, God, this, this God business is not working. And because the God business is not working, let's, let's leave it alone. Let's just, just forget about it. And that's why I tell people, when a man marries the wrong woman, he becomes a philosopher. You know, that's what happens. Because you give up on God and you start philosophizing, you know. When, they buy, when, they, when a young girl cannot find a girl, you know, cannot find a, what do you call it, cannot find a girl, a nice boyfriend, that's when they say, oh no, maybe, maybe I'm made that way. My hormones are made that way. And so they become attracted. I mean, don't let me go into something that will make me ban on Facebook. But let's just, the whole idea is this. You give up on God when you don't know how to wait. Yes. You give up on God. And you begin to embrace a lot of idiocy, a lot of stupid, stupid things. Begin to embrace it just because we cannot wait on the Almighty God. And as a result of the mismanagement of mismanagement of the waiting period, a lot of Christians have forfeited the promises of God because they cannot wait. Not only forfeited the God, they have aborted the vision that God has given unto them. Because they cannot wait. Because we cannot wait, we are not willing to be able to pursue even the vision that God has given unto us. As a result, there is a disappointment that follows their life. And because they are disappointed, there is anger and bitterness that follows it. Because at the end of the day, you begin to raise your fist at the Almighty God. Because God did not answer my prayer. Because God did not heal the person that I was supposed to be. Because my mother died when I was whatever. I didn't get, you know, there was nobody there to hug me. And therefore I'm angry at God. If you're angry at God, who's, 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 who's losing out? Does that mean God is no longer God? 
The point we are making is that when you mismanage that period between the promise and the fulfillment of that promise, there is going to be anger, there is going to be bitterness. And there are a lot of angry and bitter people in the church because they think that God has not answered their prayer when they have refused to wait for God. My brothers and sisters, you must come to terms with the fact that there is waiting. There will be waiting that will happen in your life. It's either you are currently waiting or you are about to wait. If God has promised you anything, he will not give it to you instantaneously. But the anger and the bitterness and the frustration and the disappointment of waiting does not need to happen to us as believers. It doesn't need to happen to us. All we have to do is to know how to manage that waiting period. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Thank you.